I know. Uh-huh. You know what the worst part is? I'm pretty sure I'm some unholy combination of Chris Traeger and Leslie Nope. Like, in, in real life. Mm. And anyway. You don't want me commenting on that. <laughs> I mean, Carl, this is a safe space. We can talk about a lot of things here. There's literally a microphone. <laughs> Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi, and today we're going to be doing a Q&A episode. The World Series of Baseball is about to start, so there's no episode tonight. But, you know, that doesn't mean we won't give you this podcast, apparently. I don't know. So you've been sending in your questions all week, and we've got some loaded up. We're going to answer them from the bottom, I guess. Well, oldest first. Yeah, that's what I meant. Okay, this first question is from Fume of Size. About them touching on Jake's undercover operation again, I think they will. Freddie Malardi got away, so there's still that to explore. Maybe at the end of the season to bookend things? This is kind of in response to another ask we had, which was about me saying that I was kind of upset that like we got we got like zero closure on the undercover thing, on him being with the mob. I suspect that they are setting up that, because they did that with the tagger last year. Yeah, they always, uh, sure and Gur always bring stuff back from forever ago, so I, I'm sure that we'll be hearing about, what's his name, Freddie again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that this undercover operation will also come back because it's a touchstone of Jake's career. It's just not clear when. They, they might bring it back at the end of the season, sometimes they wait longer than that. That's true. That's true. It kind of depends what the season's arc is about. Yeah, it's not quite clear yet what that is. Next question is from Anonymous. Why do people want Jake to be, like, suffering from PTSD from his time undercover? It's totally in character that he would have fun and get into it. I'm one of the bigger, like, louder voices about how I want that, but I also recognize that it's pretty unlikely. I'll let Carl answer this, though. I think that this show... So, I think you're right, actually, uh, Anon. This show doesn't really like getting into the actually hard stuff about being a cop. And is not, like, Jake might be bummed out for a couple of episodes. But I think we're unlike to see him having feelings more serious than, like, Amy doesn't like me and I'm getting thrown out of my apartment. Like, when he got thrown out of the apartment, his reaction was, This sucks, I'm living on a couch. And then he fixed it, like, five minutes later. So, <laughs> I, yeah. I kind of doubt that, like, that this show would deal with something as heavy as PTSD. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's wishful thinking, right? Like, I, I want that because I'm a terrible person. But I also recognize that what I want is fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, Jake, Jake isn't really... As undercover operatives go, Jake is pretty good at assuming a false self. And it does, It seems like, you know, he would actually be pretty good at letting this wash off his back. Yeah, you had a really great thing over the summer about how you felt Jake would handle being undercover as himself. Yeah, that he would, like, play his, his most immature version of himself. That didn't actually turn out to be the case. Like, the Jake we saw in the very brief uh, scene at the beginning of this season was a mob guy, not... And the, a mob guy who was, like, no version of Jake Peralta. 
So I, do, I think that he was in a character that didn't actually have that much to do with himself the whole time. Fair enough. Actually, the actual thing I regret not seeing is Jake and Holt trading undercover stories. Like, that would actually be kind of cool. Them sort of, how do you say, not relating to each other because, duh, that happens all the time. But, like... Sharing more stories. Yeah. I mean, I think that might still happen, especially if if something comes up to bring it out. I think that wouldn't be anything related to what Jake did. I think it would be related to what, another one of Holt's old cases coming back to bite him. And this season is very well set up for that because this season seems to be a lot more about Holt fighting with Wunch than about Jake doing anything in particular besides, you know, wanting to get with Amy and landing with, like, Eva Longoria instead. Which I'm okay with. I mean, yeah. It could be worse. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, anonymous user. Here's another anonymous user asking us another question. Came here to say that I love how, so far, the show is dropping the Charles Rosa plot because I like them much more as friends. You and us both. Fuck the Charles Rosa plot. <laughs> Plus, as a woman of color, I was uneasy about a white man continually going after a Latina. That stuff has happened to me and other Latinas I know, so I didn't want that to be taken lightly or treated as a joke. So yay, writers! I'm also happy that Rosa isn't a basic misanthropic character. She can be a leader plus a great friend and coworker. It's hard to pick one, but she's my fave. Yeah, I... It's not really a question, but yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I, I'm with you, Anon, about the Charles Rosa thing getting dropped like a hot potato. Yeah, we were never, ever happy about that. And there's a lot of reasons to be uncomfortable about the way that Charles was pursuing Rosa. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I hope it doesn't come back. They've they've done pretty well. I mean, we kind of had a Charles Rosa episode, and that Charles Rosa episode was a little uneasy. So I think we need to wait a few more episodes to see what's going on. We straight up said in Chocolate Milk that their interactions were making us super uncomfortable because we were like, don't go there, show. Don't do it, show. That episode was going to a lot of places, though, that were uncomfortable. Yeah, there were a lot of a lot of odd odd notes in that episode. But, like, overall, though, I agree that we do need a few more episodes to decide if that's been put to bed or not. That said, I do like how strong Charles and Gina seem to be. Yeah. And so I, I'm wondering, like, the thing about Sher and Gore shows is that, like, once we get an ironclad coupling, they pretty much stick with it. Like, they are really good about that. April and Andy shouldn't have worked, and yet they it does. But they just decided to make it work for a million years. Yeah, and it functions like... Th- that is the... I mean, Leslie and Ben is strong. I feel like April and Andy is stronger in some ways, just because it's so unexpected. I assume there's a war here, so... I don't know. No, there's not really. Oh, cool. There's... I mean, as... I'm, I'm not in Parks and Rec fandom, and the show's ending, so if there was a war, it's pretty much over. Skeleton war. Skeleton uh, war. Uh, yeah. That's kind of... I don't have anything more. I mean, the only other thing I would add is, like, the white guy going after a woman of color thing. That is always going to have, like... There's a lot of ways in which Charles is in a position of power relative to Rosa. Especially in terms of, like, how much leeway Charles is given by most people. Mm-hmm. So... No, I don't have anything to add, actually. That's cool. that's good. Oh, misanthropy. I like how full of a character Rosa seems. And I mean, it's okay for someone to be pretty misanthropic, but 
if they just dislike people, there's no reason for them to be in a comedy because they're not going to engage. Yeah, they st- they break the yes and rule sort of inherently. It's not yes and, it's no, go away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do like how they balance Rosa's sort of like not here for this shitness with her... Still hanging out. Yeah. The... She also likes watching other people's shenanigans. I mean... Like, the... she's in the background of so many scenes just being like, huh, yeah. She's definitely a the night gets worse better forever kind of person. That, that's her quote, yeah. I mean, that's the point. <laughs> Cool. Thank you, anonymous user. Uh, next question. This one is from You Are a Vicious Trollop. What's your opinion, slash meta, and or do you have an opinion on Jake really wanting to be a dad? Is it something you picked up on but haven't really discussed, slash don't care about, slash don't find relevant? I know it matters a lot to me, and there are quite a few episodes I can point to that tell me how desperately Jake wants kids, but what are your feelings on it? And also, what do you think about the rest of the ensemble's position uh, with parenthood slash domesticity? Okay, so we'll break that up into Jake is a dad and then the cast is parents. Sure. I will point out that we talk about Jake wanting to be a dad pretty extensively in our Tactical Village episode. Damn, now I'm not going to remember what I said there and contradict myself. I always do this. you probably won't. You probably will be on point still. I'll keep you honest. I mean, I've... (laughs) I mean, I can be on point multiple times and still say totally different things about the same subject at different points in my life. I've done that so many times and confused so many people. <laughs> well, I know that You Are a Vicious Trollop has been binging on our episodes. Cool. Like, she, she followed us on Twitter and she was telling us about how she's been going through our backlog, which is super cool. Thank you. But yeah, so Jake is a dad. We talk about that a bit. For like, there's a good segment about it in um, Tactical Village with respect to Teddy. But you have more feelings about Jake and Dadness than I do. Apparently. Well, you pointed it out in the first place. I hadn't yeah. even thought about that. I think that... I don't think that Jake has active designs on parenthood. Because I don't think Jake projects that far forward into his life. What I do think is that when Jake says, I'm going to be such a great dad, that's something he really wants to be true. Because he really wants to do better than his own father at fatherhood. That is something that matters a lot to him. That being said, I I really don't think it's something he's actively thinking about. Mm-hmm. I don't think he ever sat down and said, my life goal is to have children. Because that would involve him having a life goal beyond copness and, like, being diehard. <laughs> or, I don't know, riding a lion. I don't, I don't know. Some, some, like, childish bullshit. But, like... I think that Jake is someone who, when he thinks about fatherhood, he generally wants to do it and wants to do it well. But he never thinks about it. I mean, it's so far away from him. He doesn't even have a girlfriend. He can't, like, get two dates with a girl in a row, probably. True. I mean, my dad was not that much older than Jake when I was born. Yeah, and, like, mine was only a little older, but that's not what I mean. I mean, in where he is in his life. Oh, yeah. He's a long way from being a father. Oh, yeah. Not in comedy years, but, like, I think the show will make Jake Peralta a father and that will be a very fulfilling arc. I just don't think he's really thinking about it right now. By the way, I'm going to I'm gonna plug Tor.com here. Um, for, I swear it's related. If you want unbelievably touching fatherhood fiction, you should read Eros Philia Agape, and I'll write that up for Arthur, who's going to be posting this episode by Rachel Swirsky. 
it gave me the most profound feelings of, of like wanting to be a parent in my entire life. And it's got like sweet androids and shit. It's really great. It's, it's, it's one of the best short stories I've ever read. And also it, it was uh, published by the company I work for. So <laughs> circling back before we move to the ensemble, I will say that I think there's like an ongoing, like quiet thing of like Jake being good with kids. Like, we see him managing a, a infant yeah. <laughs> that's, like, kind of thrust upon him. Yeah. Whereas, like, I feel like normally in comedies, when you give a he man would, a child, he would be, like, he's holding like... <laughs> it out, outright, maybe upside down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is usually what's done. I think that Jake is secretly a nurturing person. I think Jake is unsecretly a nurturing person. It's, it's secret, unsecret. Like, it's an open I don't secret. Think, I don't think Jake could keep a pet. No. Um, but I do you think that he could take care of a child? Yeah. He couldn't maintain a space that was, like, clean and safe for a child. <laughs> but, like, yeah. Sometimes there's a few people I follow on Twitter who talk occasionally about Jake being a dad. And it's just, like, their headcanons for him being a dad are just incredible. Mm-hmm. Just perfect. There's that There's that comic. There's, like, a webcomic. It was, like, a one-off. It might have been Saturday Morning Breakfast Cereal or something like that. Where it's like, like you know, twenty something, thirty something dude like playing with his Death Star and and Millennium Falcon uh, replica toys, and it's like, man, he's so immature. And then he's like a light bulb, and then it's like, you know, three years later, he has a child and he's and playing with the same toys, and it's like he's such a great dad. <laughs> like that's the kind of dad I expect Jake Peralta to be. Right. Like, hey, look. Tons of make believe. Oh my God! Yes. That that child will have such an enriched life. God, yes. Storms. So the rest, the rest of the everyone else, yeah. yeah. Well, at this point, it's clear that if they'd wanted kids, Holt and Kevin would have had them. Probably, yeah. They've been married for like fifteen years or something. I've worked for uh, a somebody who was in a relationship like Holt and Kevin's. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the from what I can sort, I mean. All relationships look different from the outside. Sure. It's a little difficult. It, it's more difficult for uh, gay couples to adopt. Mm-hmm. Not impossible, mm-hmm. but more difficult. Mm-hmm. Surrogacy is often the option I see. Yeah, that 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 is something that, that they might have taken advantage of. The thing is, though, if these two men had wanted that, they would have made it happen. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no way they would have let that stop them. Mm-hmm. And they're in totally financially secure positions... One of them is tenured, is the head of a department at Columbia. They live in an insanely beautiful house. Like, that house must have more than one bedroom. It's a house. Like, they could definitely support a child if they wanted one. They would have the willpower to get one if they needed one. And they don't have one. They have a dog. So, that's how that is. Yeah. Yeah. But that said, I think Colt and Kevin could have been great parents if they had wanted to be. I think so. I mean, it's hard to, like, it's very hard to imagine them being soft because they're so reserved. And I think one quiet note about Holt is that I don't think he really approves of the way he was raised. I think that he finds it negative that there was so little affection provided to him as a child because of his talk in Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. When he's like, the great thing about being an adult is you can make your own a new rituals with your new family. Mm-hmm. It's possible, like, it's quietly possible that Holt does not think he would be a very 
good or nurturing father. That's fair. Because of how reserved he is. That's he must fair. know. <laughs> I think I think that meta enriches the Jake Holt relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that. I like the idea of, like, somebody who wants to be more open about their feelings than their parents and somebody who wants to be more physically present than their parents. Sort of kind of meeting in the middle there. Yeah. Yeah. I think... Well, if Gina and Boyle had a kid... Gina and Boyle are not going to have a kid. They're not. No. No. They might, but they, they shouldn't. Like... <laughs> so, I mean, from a writing perspective. I don't think Gina is the type who would want kids. Yeah, I I have to kind of agree. I... Well, I... I, I agree for now. I want to see what Gina's like with her mom. Sure. I think that Gina wants a ton of control of her environment. And I think she wants to live exactly the kind of lifestyle that she wants to live. And I don't think she wants to give that up for anything. Having a child permanently changes your lifestyle and re-centers you around someone else. Yeah. And that's not something that sounds like Gina would really put up with. I mean, that's also... That happens to a lesser degree with the relationship, too, though, right? Much lesser. Uh, You would know better than I. Well, neither neither of us have had a child. But, like... (laughs) Much, much less. In a relationship, you can go out at night. (laughs) That's true. You can get away from the other person. You can sleep in on Saturday. I think Boyle would actually be a decent dad. Oh, yeah. I think that Boyle would be a great dad. I think that that conversation is going to go, Boyle being like, we should have kids, and Gina's like, hard pass, and Boyle's like, let's get a dog, and Gina's like, okay, and then they have a dog. Yeah. Also, Gina wants loyalty and affection. And dogs provide that more than cats. It makes me so sad sometimes that Amy is so allergic to dogs. <laughs> it makes me so sad. Like, yeah. we should, I guess, how about Amy is a mom? Uh, Such a helicopter mom. Yeah, it's possible. Like, I don't, I don't know if Amy would be the kind to, like, project onto her children. Yeah. But she would be very competitive for her child. Oh, yeah. She's that embarrassing parent who's, like, screaming on the sidelines at soccer games. Uh, Amy's going to be super embarrassing. Oh, Amy's going to be the worst. Like, the, the the kid that, like, the kid with the mom that all the other kids are like, man, your mom is so involved. And the kid's like, I fucking hate her being there all the time. Also, she's going to know everything. Oh, my God. Yes. She'll be the mom who goes into parent-teacher conferences with more questions. Yes. Like, I mean, she has to interact with a teacher. Oh, my God. You know, it's funny because, like, the original draft of the pilot had Amy being an ex-teacher who became a cop. I'm so glad they dropped that. But, like... Um, that would make your headcount even more untenable. It would make it so terrible. I do, I do, like... Just, I love the idea of, like, them being in... Of her and Jake being in a parent-teacher conference. And the teacher's like, so your kid's kind of energetic. And Jake's like, oh, yeah, he is. <laughs> and Amy being like... <laughs> no, Jake, that's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you do Jake and I did Amy? <laughs> <laughs> because lately I've been Jake and you've been Amy. I guess. <laughs> I guess. I think that Amy is going to have a road to travel to being a good mom. I think... I think... Being with someone like Jake will soften those edges that she yeah. has. Yeah. I think that they would have a good partnership in this regard. Oh, but, yeah. But, like... Structure plus, like, a lot of imagination. Yeah. I, I think... I don't know. It's like a lot of... Like, at the end of the day, they would both be extremely encouraging parents. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially with Gina's an aunt being like, follow your dreams. 
Aunt Gina would give such terrible advice. <laughs> oh man, Aunt Gina and Uncle Boyle. Oh no. Uncle Charles. Uncle probably. Charlie. <laughs> oh no. Okay, okay. Rosa. Nope. She but she sees herself as a very sweet person. Remember sure. this. Sure. <laughs> Rosa has zero time for bullshit at any point in her life. But see, I know kids who are raised by parents like that. Sure. Like, I've been thinking about the the person who asked whether we think that Rosa is kind of aromantic. I like that more and more. I mean, I think that if she were a mom, we'd never hear about it. Like, she'd manage to have a pregnancy in secrecy or something. I Like, I think that she would like to be captain. And she doesn't talk about it because Amy wants to be captain. Amy but, loudly wants to be captain. Yeah. And Rosa does not want to loudly compete with that because that would be a pain. I, you know what, I feel for Rosa on that one. But Rosa is, like, the least nurturing person. Like, Rosa's the person you go to for, like, hard advice. Real talk. Um, yeah. And that is also valuable and apparent, but, like, I just don't, I don't know, maybe. Rosa would I be... might be stereotyping really hard. Like, I might be, like, sexisting all over this podcast. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think you are because, you know, parent I mean my in my own family, my my dad is much more the nurturing type and my mother is much not, and that's kind of a product of their respective families and their respective birth orders. Like my mother was the youngest child. There wasn't a lot of affection left in her mother for her. Um which sounds shitty but is accurate. And and my dad was the middle of seven, so, like, he kind of got to be both the baby and the oldest, you know, depending on which phase of the family he was, like, looking at. So it's like, you know, if, if we want to, I don't think you're being sexist because, like, I, so yeah, maybe the Rosa type is more strongly associated with patriarchal masculinity, but, like, I could definitely see her being a single parent, and we would never hear about it, but she would be great at it. Maybe. We also... I mean, she's the kind of person who took a battering ram to a printer that was jammed. I also... I mean, we don't know what she... We've, we've never seen her with kids. True. We've, we've seen her with teenagers who are the worst. Specifically, those teens were the worst. Not all teens are the worst. I don't know. I've been seeing youths while I walk around. I'm like, ugh, youths. <laughs> I know. The only time I've ever identified with Schmidt is, ugh, youths. Fuck Schmidt, but he's right in this case. <laughs> he's the worst, but he's right. That's the new girl thing. Yeah, we're neither of us is big fans of New Girl. Sorry, B99 fans who also are fans of New Girl. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, we've been on this ask forever. Let's. Uh, um, Have we missed? Teddy would introduce his child to Pilsners. That's all we know about Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my laughs> Moving on. Is there is there anyone we've missed? Hitchcock, Hitchcock and Scully, and Scully one, are... of, one of whom is a parent and sucked at it. Yeah, clearly his kids don't talk to him anymore. They're old and busted. Moving on. <laughs> uh, Savant. Savant's Wait, not here. Wait, fucking Terry. Oh right, we Terry, know what Terry is like. Terry's as a, dad. a good parent. We don't have to cover it. <laughs> Terry. Terry's a great parent. I cannot wait until those two children are verbal and they're like, <laughs> he doesn't bring them into the precinct much because of all the guns in danger. That moment always gets me. Okay, let's move on. Thank you so much. You are a vicious trollop. We're going to go to the next question. This is from an anonymous user. I want to believe that just because people make gifts of every little scene where Jake and Amy are in together and tag them as Jake x Amy, it doesn't mean that they think those are ship moments. 
Like the scene where Jake is celebrating and Amy's in the back smirking from Halloween. It's pretty clear after you watch the episode why she was smiling, but it's still cute. They're both in it, even if not in a ship way. And we're in the fandom to have fun, so why not gif it? It doesn't always have to mean anything. My bad. (laughs) I'm sorry? My bad. No, I I specifically talked about that moment last episode, and I've been thinking about it, and that was my bad. Uh, But I agree with you, so I guess it's my bad, too. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like we've been making fun of shippers for some reason. We're the worst, especially because, like, between the two of us, like, I have zero legs to stand on making fun of shippers. Mm-hmm. Like, like, there is so much, like, that sure. is hypocritical of me for me. Also, Tumblr users use tags for a variety of things. Like, it's an organizational thing. It's um, true. It's... I kind of wish sometimes I used more character tags for my gifts because sometimes I'm looking for a specific, say, Jake gif, and I can't, I have to, like, I have to go through other people's, like, Jake tag to find it. So, like, yeah, I mean, I, it's easy to see that moment and be happy about your ship, even if it is actually about her kind of bragging to herself mentally. So, yeah, I, th- I basically agree with this, Anon. Yeah, I, I do too. I will say that we brought up in Undercover that sometimes the way that the gifts end up cut or put together in sets makes the responses, Amy's reactions, be a little disingenuous. And I think that's still fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Cool. Thanks, Anon. (laughs) This was my favorite in the bunch. Just imagine I'm yelling, because this one's caps lock, from Anon. Hey, what are your thoughts on the tone of the show and how it's so different from PNR now? Because I remember thinking they were almost too similar at the beginning, down to the character types and storylines. But now I think it's very distinctly its own thing. Anonymous. So, I know this is not Chelsea Pretty. And yet, I want to believe it's Chelsea Pretty. <laughs> and Carl's so mad that I feel this way. I'm not mad. I'm just disgruntled. <laughs> Well, I want you to be less disgruntled. Please be gruntled instead. No one can make me grunt. Oh, no one can make me gruntle. You're right. If this were Chelsea Pretty, she would not be anonymous. Yeah. yeah. Let's just make that be the entire thing we talk about for this ask. No, I agree with I agree with Anon here. So I've watched a few seasons of Parks and Rec. I haven't watched the last season and a half or so. Mm-hmm. I think that... Sure and Gord take some time to grow out of their previous project. They've been open about that too. Yeah. They really do talk in there was a there was a post season one interview with Dan Gore where he talked about how it sometime from when they went from office to Parks and Rec, it took them a lot longer to shake off the office sort of feel, the vibe there. Whereas like with this one they really hit their stride early on. Yeah, I think that they didn't really know what they were doing in the first few episodes. I thought that it already sounded different from Parks and Rec, partially because they did a major medium shift from an interview-based thing, which will never stop feeling like The Office, to just a one-camera sitcom. But, you know, I think that this show is growing into itself pretty fast. A lot faster than Parks and Rec, where I didn't watch the first season at all, because it felt too much like The Office, and I was sick of The Office. I mean, S2 was really hard for me to watch also, of Parks and Rec. I, I love Parks and Rec. I really do. And it got a lot better when they, like, brought in the... Chris and Ben? Yeah. that I think them coming in really softened the piece. I think, in large part, it was the introduction of, like, a real foil for Leslie. 
as then. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, up until then, Leslie was fighting against the overwhelming apathy of her audi- of her constituency. Yeah, and having someone actually personify, you know, the difficulty of government work in more than just a, oh, no one gives a fuck <laughs> about the park system. Yeah. Is much more of an interesting thing. It also, it also made it easier, I think, to watch the, like, like fighting the man versus fighting a man. Yeah. <laughs> like... That that ben, sh- ben is much easier to fight than the man. <laughs> yes, he's not a great warrior. <laughs> he will not go down to history as one of those. <laughs> but I like Ben. I, I feel for Ben. I like Ben. I like Ben, and I'm glad that they brought Ben and Chris together. Because, like, I don't know if I would have been able to handle Ben solo without seeing him be like actually like. A friend to Chris. Yeah, knowing that he was a good guy who was kind of having to do a tough job. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to handle Chris without Ben. Chris Traeger's the worst. <laughs> I know people like him. Sure. Chris Traeger's a, a super annoying character type. That they've done a huge amount with. Yes. I Back to the anonymous ask, I do think, I do think they moved really fast away from Parks and Rec comparisons. I would think there might be a correlation between them shifting networks and their ability to sort of jump away, but I can't say for sure. Also, this is an action comedy. Yeah. And an action office comedy, and, and uh, Parks and Rec isn't. They're going for a different kind of humor. Cool. Yes. Anon, we agree. They're, they moved away a lot faster, and I'm glad that they did. Because it's really easy to draw those parallels earlier on, but by about mid season with mid season one of Brooklyn Nine Nine, you can't those those parallels are hard to draw. I think these people are very close to the final people that they'll be. And I think they got there fast. So that's where I really see like early on people were like, you know, Gina is just like uh April. April. But Gina's Gina now. Like, Gina is her own specific person, and April couldn't be her if she tried. April would be... And, and there's Rosa, too, who's kind of muddling that, because... Yeah. Because Gina is also... Gina's also Retta. I'm sorry. Donna from Parks and Rec. Yeah. But, like... But now she's not that. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone could... Earlier on could have been described as, you know, a mix of X and Y. But that's not accurate or, or uh, meaningful anymore. Yeah, and I mean, we've drawn parallels between Brooklyn Nine-Nine and The Office on the show. Our show, this show, podcast show. Yeah, specifically with respect to um, Charges and Specs and Casino Night. But I don't feel like, I feel like I, I didn't make com- comparisons between The Office and Parks and Rec after Ben was introduced. I don't know. <laughs> cool. Let's move on to the next Yeah, ask. cool. Thanks, Anonymous User. That was a fun... I, I love... I'm pretty sure you're the same all caps lock and anon from earlier, and I like you. Please come back to us more. This is from another anonymous user. Lol, can we talk about how ridiculous some of the AV Club reviews for B99 this season have been, though? Like, 90% of one review was like, sitcoms usually ruin romance. Romance has been ruined on The Office before. I fear B99 will go this route. Except I liked it in this episode and it worked. But other sitcoms have ruined romance. Like, okay, what's your point? Are you just writing it down for posterity so you can say I told you so later, even though right now you like what they're doing? I don't want to comment too much about another news publication. I haven't been reading their reviews because I don't think that it would be a valuable exercise for me. I think that it's important when you're reviewing 
to review the work in front of you. You need to understand it in the context of the genre it's in, of course. But you also need to review the work in front of you on its own merits. If they're not doing that, and it sounds like they've got a lot of hang-ups, probably a lot of sure and gore hang-ups in particular, then it's going to bias the review a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, reviews are always going to be subjective. So if, that, if that's their take, then, then they're totally entitled to it. Sometimes I miss television without pity because they would do the recaps, which sort of doubled as reviews. Yeah. And you would, you would always get people who were either interested in the show and like picked it up for their, for themselves or people who were assigned the show and then got into it and then (laughs) ended up hate watching it. (laughs) (laughs) There is, there was the guy who recapped like eight seasons of Smallville. (laughs) I think his name was Carlos. Minnesota Carlos. It was some. It was a. It started with the C. He, he definitely was like into it, and like you can see that you could see the turning point in like season four, season five, where the show like kind of fell off the the deep end a little bit and became like all Clark Lex, <laughs> unsubtle subtext. Cool. <laughs> to the point where it kind of became text, and you could see him kind of shifting into this hate watch mode. Where he was, like, watching for the queer baiting, Which, you know, not cool, but, you know, that's life. And all, all jokes aside, I miss television on pity because, like, you would, you would get people who either loved the show or, like, at least cared about the show to do the recaps and reviews. And then, you know, even when they, even when they came to hate the show and all the choices it was making, it was still entertaining. From the reviews I read, which admittedly were from the first season... I think the the reviewer at the AV Club, if it's the same reviewer, does care about the show, and had a lot of interesting stuff to say when in all the reviews I read. Mm-hmm. One piece of advice that's completely unasked for, and you should disregard it if you don't like it, is that part of the pleasurable work of reading reviews is evaluating whether a reviewer is useful for you. Because mm-hmm. a reviewer is going to review based on their tastes. Mm-hmm. And if those tastes are misaligned with yours to the point where A, you can't enjoy it, and B, you're not learning anything from it, then that's probably a reviewer that you should drop. I will say that although I also find that reviewers... That, that reviewer specifically has been pretty open about the fact that really any shipping on a comedy is just not their jam and that they are really not here for the Jake and Amy stuff. Fine. That person can do that person. However, I will say that I do like the AV Club reviewers. They pull out really great quotes that I sometimes forget about or just didn't or were too fast for me to catch. So I will say that I I do appreciate their I appreciate their eye for comedy. They are really in it for the comedy aspect. And I don't know if this is the right show for that person to be reviewing, given that. Maybe. I mean, there's other stuff going on, but it's going to it's going to be pretty romance-heavy. And that's been a trademark of this creative family. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... You, I mean, you might still read them and just, like, let your eyes glaze over at the paragraphs that are about the ships. Like, I don't think they're doing it just to be proven right eventually. I think they're, like... I think this is how they feel. Struggling with their legitimate resistance to this brand of of uh, comic plotline. Yeah, notably, they're not negative about Boyle Gina. They were super negative. I, I still haven't read. They they uh, 
hated Boyle last season. Rightfully so. Legitimately. Yeah. Even beyond when we stopped hating Boyle. Yeah. After the apology in yeah. uh, in uh, the apartment. Yeah. Yeah. There are, you know what? I can respect Boyle having a, a larger mountain to climb with some other people. Oh, yeah. I respect that. Like, I understand. I'm, I'm ready to turn on him in a heartbeat. Boyle doesn't have to fuck up much for us to hate him forever. Yeah. yeah. Well, not forever. But, but yeah. until he fi- fixes it. But for now, we're cautiously approving. Cool. Thanks, Anon. Another anonymous. This is about 2X01, but I just saw an interesting post about Jake saying not good enough, and I was wondering, what are your thoughts on what he means by that? So Jake says not good enough first in response to Holt. Freddy got away from the bust. Holt wants him to take the victory that he's got and tells him that you have to realize that sometimes there are things you can't control. And Jake meaningfully looks at Amy and then says, not good enough. And I mean, notably, that scene took place after their scene in the evidence room. Yeah. Like, so at the basic level, what's pretty obvious is that Jake means that at that moment, giving up on the case and giving up on Amy are both not good enough for him. Mm -hmm. He's kind of rejecting that lack of control, which is not a great move. (laughs) I think that a lot of that episode is about Jake learning to relax that need for control, which is why he's able to come to a healthy position on Amy and be friends with her. And I think that's succeeding. I think that Jake doesn't want stuff to go bad for him, but he is going to be a lot happier when he lets things be good enough. I mean, it comes up again when when Sarge is like, we're not friend friends, we're just work friends. And then he tries And Jake's to... like, nope. And yeah. like leaps upon him. I, I like the idea of, first of all, Anon, you should send us that post. I would love to see it. Like, see what, what inspired you to ask us this. Because I love meta. I love stuff like that. I think we talked about in, in both Undercover and Chocolate Milk how not good enough might be sort of part of Jake's arc for this season. Although I also think that he and Amy are going to get together... During the season, which will during delay season? that de- this season, yeah, I think they're going to get together this season, and I think that'll delay that progress for him. The not good enough thing. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I I might disagree. I think I think I don't think Jake and Amy will get together before the season ends. Maybe I think I actually think they if they get together, it'll be probably early next season. But I could be completely wrong. In fact, I'm probably completely wrong. Whatever, I don't care. But, I mean, I care, but, like, I don't care about being wrong. I, I like the idea of, of Not Good Enough being his season two arc words. Because last, I think last season the arc words were, uh, if I'm going to have to do things his way, I'm going to do them my way. And I like Not Good Enough being the... The uh, hurdle he has to get over. Yeah. I I like that also, though, because it's... The fact that he says that is still growth for him, because last season, good enough was good enough. Yeah, like, Jake wants to be better, and that's what he had to learn last season. Um, But he has to understand that just being better at his job and being better at his life doesn't mean that he's owed anything by anyone. I feel like like that's a... We've talked on the podcast before about how, like, Jake kind of... Jake being white and hetero and male 
are all really important parts of his character. Or at least heteropathing. In in having him be a good guy, we draw contrast between some of the other characters, such yeah. as Podolsky or that horrible skeezy guy in Chocolate Milk, things like that. And um, I think I think what you said just a minute ago about about how he's not owed anything by the universe, by the world, whatever. Which for- is especially difficult because he's in a society that presumes he is owed a certain measure of success um, for being white and male. Yeah, I was going to say those are white people problems. Yeah. That was my... We, we kind of went back and forth on that. But my point was that those are white people problems. And I mean, you said J- specifically those are white male problems. Yeah, they are. I, Jake does a fairly good job at allyship, despite being completely, like, you know... I'm, I'm sure completely ignorant of the struggles. But, like, I mean, he has no patience for oppression or... Uh, systemic disadvantages for people he cares about. And even people he doesn't, you know, deep care about. Yeah. Like, he doesn't like seeing bad things perpetrated, and he speaks out about them. He doesn't try to center those conversations. So, that's one of the things I like best about Jake. Um, And I think that this season will develop him further in that direction. Recognizing what he doesn't deserve. Stuff he, like, might, you know... He might do well enough, but might not get, and that's okay. Yeah, hence the not good enough being an arc word for him. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Like, frankly, you know, this isn't going to be the case because, you know, office romance comedy. But he and Amy might never be in a place where they get to date. Even if she likes him and he likes her, and he's a good guy. And I think that Peralta's growing into a person who would accept that. But they are going to get together. Because... <laughs> It's this show. It's these people. Yeah. All right, this is our last ask. From the final Anon. I have no idea what to expect from the mole, but it would be hilarious if the mole was actually Scully or Hitchcock, but they're too dumb to know that they've somehow secretly leaked information. And I'm curious to how the Thanksgiving episode will play out, given that it looks like the spoilers from Twitter were disregarded. Too bad those spoilers sounded very good. That's interesting. I hadn't heard about the spoilers being disregarded. Yeah, so... For those of you who didn't know, the episode summary for The Mole came out, and then the episode summary for Lockdown came out, and Lockdown is the episode that will be the Thanksgiving episode for this year. So they changed everything. They changed the entire plot. Everything They must not... Story. You know, I bet they wrote that before they had Ava Longoria on board. And then she came on board and it changed everything. So we don't know shit about what's going to happen. I think you're 100% right. I think you're 100% right. Here, let me... Because Jake was definitely single. Right, in in that, in the... Yeah, Yeah, that you're was right. the emotional context. In the, OG, in the OG Thanksgiving episode, Jake was still single, and and he was still, like, quietly in love with Amy, but, like... But not making moves because that would be inappropriate. Right, but, like, not, like, being broken up about it, yeah. you know? Whereas I think he kind of is in, in the current continuity. There, stuff changed, man. Uh, so, as to your uh, spec about the mole, I'm right there with you. I think that's the obvious solution, but I haven't thought of it until just now, like, when you said it, so maybe it's not that obvious. I really don't think it could, like... The thing about this plotline is that it can't have that many teeth, because we like these people too much, and this isn't, like... This isn't the shield. <laughs> or Gotham or something. This is not... This is going to be someone being a dumbass. Mm-hmm. And that's Gillian Hitchcock's jobs. Although it'll be nice for them to have, like, they're apparently season regulars. They've had zero plots, except kind of, like, uh, the Jimmy Jab games. 
Hitchcock was great in that, but you know, it would be cool for a plot to care a little more about them. I concur. Not in a positive caring way, because if they ever become okay, that's the worst. Yeah, we, we don't want them to be okay. Uh, here Here's the summary for Lockdown. I read the one about them being some kind of couples thing. That is an Osiello spoiler. That is from Osiello. What? Uh, that was from uh, Michael Osiello. He has a regular column called Ask Osiello. Oh, right, Osiello. right, 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 right. And he did, he, somebody was like, do you have any Brooklyn Nine-Nine scoop? And he was like, Jake and Sophia and Teddy and Amy go to a couples retreat. And it brings up some problems. Or it causes problems. I'm actually really uncertain about that episode description, as Oziello has put it. Because, like... Well, okay, first, let's finish asking, answering the Anon, and then we'll kind of... That sounds like... Uh, the lockdown sounds like it's going to be an interesting episode, especially because it feels like 48 hours, which was a foundational shipping episode. I didn't even think of that, but you're totally right. <laughs> Holy crap. I yep. wonder I wonder if this will also be the episode where we see Nick Cannon. No, it's not because he we know. would be Yeah. <laughs> also somehow Teddy does not even Does Teddy exist? Does he still like Pilsners? I'm adrift. Is call is Kyle Bornheimer really busy? I, I don't know. But like it is it is starting to be just straight up annoying. Did he move to Canada? I don't know, but it's kind of like Okay, Anonymous user, I think we kind of covered most of your ask. I'm into it. I'm really excited for the new episodes that are coming after, uh, that run up until Thanksgiving. I think it's going to be really interesting. I'm really curious about the new Thanksgiving. And yeah, we don't know shit anymore about what's going to happen in that episode. Because Except for the episode description. Yeah, and it sounds like Teddy and Amy won't break up. There? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they won't break up, like... Maybe she will break up with him at Christmas. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Gross. Uh, no, there's not enough episodes in between. There's gonna be, like, one episode in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Maybe the couple's retreat is Christmas. When do, when does, so, when does Sophia show up? Is that before Thanksgiving? 206, yeah. Before Thanksgiving? The episode before Thanksgiving. So that's two episodes from now? Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Uh. She doesn't appear in lockdown. Well, no. But, you know, maybe he's on for the full season. Like, maybe Teddy is not getting broken up with until late in the season. Yeah. Which would throw all my previous... All our spec. Out the window. We've been we've been operating. So, Anand, yeah, we're excited. We're really excited. Cause Thanks this for is, setting us straight. <laughs> yeah, thank you for reminding us that we were wrong. Like, all of our... Like, I'm not being sarcastic. I actually thank you so much for, for pointing out, like, that all of our assumptions were incorrect. Like, we have a new place to go from here. N- all new meta, you guys. I'm so... I know you guys are super excited. Okay, so that was all the asks uh, from our Tumblr and from... We didn't get any emailed to us, which, okay. And nobody asked anything on Twitter, which, you know, okay. Since our minds are completely blown, realizing that all of our assumptions are false. We need to go back to the drawing board and probably check in after we have more information. Yeah, we're going to go check out more spoilers and stuff. We posted the clip from The Mole, the like preview clip from Fox uh, in, in our Tumblr, so... I'm glad we were right about Holt. Like, if Holt knows about uh, Boyle and Gina, there's a zero percent chance he doesn't know about Jake and Amy. So we know he there's a zero percent chance he doesn't know about Jake and Amy. Like he was watching while people were drunk at a bar, and he wasn't getting drunk. And he was like, "Oh yeah, they keep talking to each other, like in evidence lockups and things." Jake so. straight up looks at her and then says, "Not good enough." Yeah. Like if Holt didn't know, Holt suspected and was confirmed later. It's gonna be cool. It's gonna be great. Uh, so I- we'll see you after that episode. Yeah. Also, wait, before, 
Also, there's an episode coming up where we'll meet Boyle and Gina's, respectively, father and mother. In one of the... It's either the mole or Jake and Sophia. Okay. I'm excited for it. Cool. 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 Uh, You guys should tell us your feelings about spoilers and stuff, what's coming up. We're interested in hearing your spec, too. Also, if you catch the big game, uh, let me know the score, because I'm not going to check the score. Yeah, we really care about that local sports team. I guess I'm rooting for the Royals, because my favorite sports writer cares about the Royals. And I actually really dislike baseball. So, from all of us, that is both of us. To to you, the listeners. My name is Arthur. I'm Carl. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone.